What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row, our good friends at buyersautomotive.com. As usual, I am Jeremy Birmingham. That, that, whatever, Zoom, I never know which way the Zoom things are. Down there, over there, is Spencer Holbrook, my cohort and uh, compatriot from Letterman Row. Spencer, it's Saturday. We're breaking out the Talking Stuff and a little different schedule because what the hell else are we doing? Um, and Friday evening, Ohio State's top remaining offensive target, I think, overall. Uh, Emeka Abuka dropped his top, top four, final four, whatever you want to call it, uh, list of schools on Twitter. And not surprising that Ohio State made the list. Surprisingly to me was that Stanford did not make the list. Instead, it was Washington, Oklahoma, and Clemson. First blush, uh, I think it's really good news for Ohio State that Stanford did not make the list, and I'm going to talk about that why. Just the other day, I wrote in one of our recruiting questions of the day that Stanford was the team I kept hearing about, but I wasn't hearing about it from Abuka himself, so I want to be very clear. The, the, the rumblings, the worry from the Ohio State program and people that I talked to around the program were that Stanford was the team that people in his family – and the school the people in his family really wanted him to consider going to. Everyone in this recruiting world has been suggesting that the Buckeyes are the leader for Abuka for a while now. And Stanford kept coming up as that sort of wild card team that, that could potentially upend them if Emeka Abuka himself decided, you know what, I'm going to follow this path that my parents and, and people in his life wanted him to consider. So it was never really a situation where Abuka himself was like dying, you know, really diving into, should I go to Stanford? Should I go to Stanford? But having the ability and the, and the, the um, fortitude to say, you know what, this is not where I'm going to go. So them not being on the list was very important in my opinion. I think one the, the shocking thing to me about this list, uh, not – you know, you had the inside stuff about Stanford. The way I see it right now is for over a year now, we've heard if he's leaving the state of Washington, it's going to be Ohio State or Clemson. Well, Lincoln Riley has his foot in the door. And I don't know how how far he stepped that foot into the door, but, you know, that's a potent offense with high numbers and high scoring outputs. Uh, it's, it's a wide receiver's dream. Uh, they have Spencer Rattler, one of the best uh, – quarterback prospects in the country there who could, who could potentially be there for two or three years. They, they've got, you know, the inside track on Caleb Williams. They could be putting together an offensive class that could surprise people. And I, I don't think Ibuka will ultimately end up there, but I do think it's interesting that he chose to keep Oklahoma in the mix, despite being rumored to be going either Ohio State or Clemson for so long. I do think there's a little bit of a, <clears throat> I do think not that it has legs, as far as like the Oklahoma movement, but I think it's something to watch moving forward. If he, if he happens to take a visit to all four schools, Oklahoma could find themselves square, you know, in the mix just as much as anybody. Yeah. I think it's clear to me right now that Oklahoma is fourth of those four, mm -hmm. but I would the, agree. The, the, the thing now is time, right? So uh, Abuka found out just, you know, in the last day that he's not allowed to take summertime visits in June. Right. So now, Everything starts to, to move around. Everything starts to shift. He, when do those official visits happen? Are they going to be pushed back again until the end of July? Are they going to be pushed back to the season? If that's the case, 
is he going to be able to take all four to four of them before he wants to enroll early in January? So, uh, you know, you have all these little uh, machinations that are going to play a part of this. I think the idea that you've seen percolated and floated and you kind of mentioned it is that Caleb Williams, the number one ranked quarterback in the country from uh, Baltimore is very seriously considering Oklahoma, LSU and Maryland at this point. Um, if, if he were to go to Oklahoma, that that would give them some sort of leg up because him and Abuka have been talking. It's not like Ohio State doesn't have a five-star quarterback committed for the last year who's also been talking to Emeka Abuka for the last year. So it's not a situation where uh, it gives Oklahoma an advantage in a way that Ohio State doesn't have one. Um, obviously, the Buckeyes, the biggest disadvantage for Ohio State is Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, and Jigba G. Scott, Mookie Cooper, um, that group, and whether or not Emeka Abuka wants to follow in anyone's footsteps, I guess, because not just necessarily being a, uh, a number one ranked receiver, a five-star receiver coming in when the Buckeyes have had Garrett Wilson and then three guys last year, and then, um, you know, do you want to follow in those guys' footsteps? But being from the Seattle area, being from Washington, does it appear to people perception-wise that if he goes to Ohio State, he's just following in G. Scott's footsteps? And I, I, don't, I don't think that that's the case, and I don't know why anyone would think that. But I know that in the recruiting world, that sort of uh, narrative is going to be used against the Buckeyes in trying to instill this idea that Emeka Abuka needs to be his own man and take his own path. Um, even though G Scott's presence really doesn't matter in the big picture of, of Ohio state football with him. So uh, it's just an interesting way to look at that because I know from what I know of, of, of Emeka from our conversations with him and what I've heard about him from people who are very close with him, he is a very headstrong uh, leader type person. And so it's interesting to, to think uh, maybe that would, that sort of narrative would get into his head. It's, and like I said, I, I am with you. I believe Oklahoma is fourth, Clemson, Washington, somewhere two, three, and Ohio State's the leader. I just think it's interesting that we hadn't heard Oklahoma brought up in this recruiting process. And then he drops a top four, and it's got Oklahoma on the list. And, you know, you, you, once the visits start happening, you never know. Like, recruiting right. can change so quickly. And, you know, if, if Clemson – gets a commitment from another wide receiver that we think they're going to get a commitment from sometime. And, Soon. yes. Oh, and, you know, Oklahoma has a, has a visit day where Emeka Ibuka meets with Caleb Williams and two other wide receivers. And they're talking about what this offense is going to be. That could change things. And you just never know in this recruiting process. And especially right now, because you don't know when this, this kid and when all, all of these kids are going to be able to get on campus. Right, and Oklahoma did add a top 40 wide receiver commitment uh, on Friday from Mario Williams from Florida. They're also the, the presumptive leader for, for Christian Leary from Florida, another top 40 overall ranked wide receiver. If that happens, and he's supposed to commit on June 6th. So um, if he ends up going to Oklahoma, now Oklahoma's in the same position as Ohio State and Clemson with a pair of top 100 receivers already committed. So that sort of levels that playing field. Mm -hmm. um, I personally think of this from two ways. There, there's the understanding that Oklahoma and Clemson and Washington are all very good programs. Uh, Washington is the home state school, obviously. There's a lot of pull to stay there. Clemson is Clemson. Oklahoma is Oklahoma. Ohio State is Ohio State. 
So you look at the inclusion of Oklahoma. Groundbreaking stuff there, Bert. Right. Uh, Oklahoma, exactly. <laughs> you, look at the inclu- you look at the inclusion of a place like Oklahoma, and you think, hey, that is a team that could potentially be a thorn in the side down the road uh, if they get an opportunity to get the visits and that kind of stuff, if they continue building the relationship. Or it's another big hat on the table for what yeah. everyone thinks will be um, an ultimate decision that comes down to Ohio State and really nobody else. So sometimes it's better to keep those teams. That's why, again, I'm going to go back to Clemson here. Or to, I'm sorry, to Stanford. That's why it's better to me that Stanford's not on the list than Oklahoma being on the list. I think it's also one final thing on this before we put a bow on, on uh, Emeka Ibuka. Ohio State has a five-star quarterback committed. Oklahoma is likely to get a five-star quarterback to commit, Caleb Williams. You don't worry about Clemson's quarterback recruiting because Trevor Lawrence play on the field recruits for them. They're going to have well, a, a top. And they had DJ from the number one ranked quarterback in the class last year, DJ yeah. Ungalele or however you pronounce his name. So well, he's there. So he's and then, there, and you know, you know that you're going to have him. And then finally, Washington, the home state school, also has a five-star quarterback who is – According to composite rankings, the number one quarterback overall in the in some people's minds in the class in general. Right. And, and Sam Heward, who's, Sam who's a player, who's a kid that Emeka plays seven on seven football with. He's his quarterback and, for. So there is a, a bond there um, that is worth paying attention to. Absolutely. And then you look at Ohio State already has two top 100 wide receivers committed. Clemson is going to have two top 100 wide receivers committed. Well, they have two already. They have two already, and then Stilato coming up soon will commit to Clemson, and then you'll have three. And Oklahoma, as we said, will have two. We'll have two, and then Washington will have – I think they have a couple decent wide receivers in their class, and they had a really good class of wide receivers last year, even though they missed out on G. Scott. The playing field is almost, like you said, completely level. Other than proximity to home, which, which, you know, Washington can play, Oklahoma can play – a different card. I don't know how Clemson is going to do this if Troy Stilato commits or they'll just kind of pack it in. I don't know how that's going to work. And then Ohio State's obviously giving their Ohio State recruiting pitch. Um, I just think it's going to be fascinating. I am very uh, eager to see where this recruiting uh, story plays. No doubt, because if you look at, as you said, the location favors Washington, uh, relationships favor Ohio State, everything else is sort of equal among those four schools. And as we know in recruiting, it comes down to comfort and relationships. And those two things in this case may be actually divergent because comfort may be home, but relationships are at Ohio State. So it'll be interesting to see how that balances out. I know that the Ohio State staff has been able in the last few weeks to start uh, getting a, a relationship with Emeka's father, which is an important part of this uh, because that relationship really was not their part, as we've said the whole thing was getting dad on campus before they felt like they could make any sort of informed decision. Knowing that's not going to happen now anytime soon, that relationship has to be built um, virtually and it is starting to be. So we'll see if that allows Abuka to feel comfortable enough to say, I'm ready to commit without making any more visits. He's been to Ohio state twice. He knows what he's getting. Um, we mentioned Caleb Williams, the five-star quarterback from Baltimore. Um, Maryland, who's on that list, added a uh, a big transfer. I get. I don't know. Is it a big transfer? I mean, it's it's a it's a big transfer by the name for sure. It's a headline but transfer. If it, it is a headline, uh, Tua Tagovailoa's brother. What's his name? Tula Talia. Talia. 
Talia. Talia. I'm, I, I just am not good at these names. Uh, he transferred, uh, announced his transfer to Maryland on Friday. And other than the last name, Spencer, do we have any idea if Maryland's even getting a good quarterback? No. No. I don't – I don't know. He had a good relationship with Mike Loxley uh, from right. their time together in Alabama. Obviously, Loxley recruited him to Al- at Alabama. I believe Loxley recruited him to Alabama. Yes. Um, it was well, a short I mean, stint. Tua, Tua, Tua recruited him to Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there was a lot of rumors about you know South Florida to be around Tua. And then all of a sudden – you forget that the Mike Loxley connection is alive and well, and he ends up in Maryland. Maryland had a grad transfer quarterback or a transfer quarterback last year that I thought was going to be kind of decent because I had watched him at Virginia Tech, Josh Jackson. He was terrible. Yeah. Uh, we have no clue what this guy can do other than the fact that his brother was just taken number five overall by the Dolphins. I think it was number five. Um, and But it is one of those things where, oh, Tua's brother is comfortable going there. It, it could lead to some momentum. And we've talked at length about Mike Loxley as a recruiter and as Maryland, as a program trying to gain some momentum. We've got Rakeem Jarrett. You've got a couple defensive linemen committed right now who are top 100 prospects, top 150 prospects. You've got a quarterback coming in who's confident in, in Mike Loxley. Uh, I'm not saying that they're building something there. I just think it's interesting to see Tulia – Taulia commit there and and he put his future in Mike Loxley's hands. To me, it is another reminder that there is nothing more uh, copious than optimism in the offseason. And Maryland's momentum, Tennessee's momentum, USC's momentum, we can beat that drum all we want. Like until those teams go back out and get a chance to play again. It's hard to know how that momentum translates into a sustained success. And it's easy to recruit this time of year. It's easy to sell hopes and dreams. It's easy to sell Under Armour and the big new um, workout facility and the, all the stuff that Under Armour's put into Maryland money-wise. It's easy to sell that right now. But if Maryland goes out and stinks to high heaven again, all of a sudden uh, things get very uncomfortable once again in college park. So, uh, you know, that that's the reality is the big 10 is the top one or two football conference in the country. Kids do want to play in the big 10. Um, and if you can go there and succeed at a place like Maryland and you can bring Maryland to the mountaintop in the big 10 East, you're going to turn heads and get drafted. I mean, that's the way it is. They, um, but other than being to his brother, I don't know that the the talent of uh, the younger Tagovailoa, to his brother, uh, other than being to his brother, I don't know that this is a like like a program defining transfer. It's not like it's, it's not Justin Fields. No, not at all. I. I don't but know. A, feel, but it is a good pickup for sure. I think it's a it's a program builder. I don't think it's a program defining, but yeah. I think it's a program building transfer. If you're trying to build it, yeah. something and you have an opportunity to develop further what you had already done with Tua, if you can help develop his brother into a respectable Big Ten quarterback, 
maybe you pick off Maryland. I mean, maybe you pick off Penn State or Michigan in, the, in a couple years. I don't. I was talking about this last night with some friends. I don't see how Maryland can close a gap with those three schools. But I do think on the right day, they could pick one of these schools off now that they're recruiting a little bit better talent. And you don't have to – it's not going to be like an Ole Miss thing where you're getting one class that's full of five stars and all of a sudden you're number two in the – college football playoff ranking the first week in November it's can we go from three and nine to six and six to seven and five and the way they're recruiting it seems like that's the plan and that's how it's going to go because if you start bringing in a little bit better talent year by year you're going to just naturally get better what when you are under armor uh, or I mean the University of Maryland when you're whatever the people in charge of that how many years do you have to get there and that's the, the question. If, if Maryland goes out and Mike Loxley, who our coworker Austin Ward thinks is one of the f- finest head coaches in college football, if we go out in your Maryland and, and you win four games this year, the patience will be very, very thin uh, for, for that because the track record for Mike Loxley as a head coach is pretty awful. And so it's not like you have a – a long line of success to point to to say, "Oh, give him time and he'll get there," because uh, he's never been there. As a I almost, I almost wonder though, Berm, and this is kind of some crazy talk that we don't have to get into. Do they give him at least until twenty twenty one when these guys are allowed to profit off some name, image, and likeness stuff? And you get you certainly think so because that area get, will blow up. You get Mike Loxley, who we're not going to discuss certain things about what Mike Loxley does on or off the recruiting trail. Sure. And then you get Under Armour, who's one of the most powerful apparel brands and can throw money at, at student athletes who may want to go to Maryland or may not want to go to Maryland, but end up at Maryland. And you might have something. And I just wonder if Loxley is playing his cards right to, okay, in the 2020 class, you get Rakeem Jarrett. In the 2021 class, you get these defensive linemen. You get to his brother. You get a, a better class in 2022, and all of a sudden you're paying these guys for being for wearing Under Armour, and you got a pretty good football program. I just wonder yeah. if that's the plan all along because he seems like a pretty modern guy and uh, a, the kind of guy who, who would, you know, play well off of that. So I just yeah, wonder I, if I don't know that it's – I don't know program. that I would say it was the plan all along. It certainly would seem like – uh, the timing of this could certainly help Mike Loxley. I was yeah, talking exactly. to, to Luke Fickle the other day because he's the upcoming guest on Bermanology. And we were talking prior to our interview and programs like Cincinnati and Houston and Maryland who are in these big cities, like Maryland being right next to Baltimore and D.C., like there's opportunities that are going to come up because of the name, image, and likeness. Programs like Cincinnati and Houston – and uh, even to a lesser degree, Northwestern, because of their academic standards. Uh, but Notre Dame, you know, again, similar using Chicago. These, these programs are going to have new and uh, interesting ways to lure kids to, the, to campus with the promise of, of big corporate money. I mean, we obviously know nothing about the name, image, and likeness plans. It, it could still just be all just talk to, to try to – placate people who want some sort of movement. But if that actually goes into effect in the 2021 season, we have zero idea about what the landscape of college football is actually going to look like. And 
the recruiting world is going to completely change. And it is, it oh, yeah. is going to be, it is scary to think about because I don't think that anybody really has any idea about the can of worms that they're opening, especially when you're talking about like agents reaching out to high school kids and stuff like that, that is, that is going to happen. Um, I don't know how it gets policed. It's hard enough to police, you know, NFL talented uh, players in college, let alone college talent players in high school. Like there's a thousand of them around the country. So um, it's going to be very, very challenging. And I, I don't know that people are realistically thinking about the can of worms that's being opened up, but um, the, the Maryland thing is interesting. I think it's something to, to absolutely watch. Um, I know we've already brought him up on the show. Austin is not a believer that big city programs can benefit as much, you know, that Northwestern is going to rise to, to power or Maryland could do that. But I do think there's some legs when you talk about Maryland as a program who can use Under Armour and Oregon can use a Nike and I don't know where Russell athletics based or if they can somehow get back yeah. into college athletics, but Hey, Georgia tech still wears Russell, don't they? I hope not. I mean, they did a few years ago, but yeah, the point is very simple. Like we just don't know. Yeah. I think, I think that comparing Northwestern to Maryland is apples to oranges because of the academic standards to get into Northwestern. So I know Austin likes to bring up Northwestern as a, as the um, like devil's advocate, like this is not going to do anything for them, but that's more because of their academic standards. And if they are true to that, then it may not, or it may offset the benefit of, of the name, image, and likeness. So it's also the other thing about the recruiting thing is like, okay, yes, you're going to allow agents to talk to high schoolers and businesses to talk to high schoolers, probably not legally about getting money to play at this university. Hey, newsflash, there may be a recession about to happen and companies uh, might not have money. And not maybe, I mean, we're, we're certainly yeah, exactly. going to that. But, you know, then you'd have to wonder, like, I mean, how many kids start to transfer high schools because certain high schools have better relationships with Nike or with Under Armour. It's just the, the can of worms that's going to be opened up here is, is not good for college sports. I understand that there is a need to compensate players on some level. Like, I know that. I don't think anybody can objectively argue that point, considering the amount of money that these football players are bringing into these schools. Um, but that doesn't mean it's a good thing for the game. And it certainly doesn't mean it's a good thing uh, for recruiting, which is already rife with bad actors and people who are unscrupulous and, and, you know, finding ways to, to loophole themselves into success. So I don't know. Anyway, Spencer, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say uh, anything else surprise you from the recruiting trail yesterday. There were all, I think every recruit in the country who's uncommitted committed yesterday. I mean, there was, uh, I, I was not on the Twitter machine very much on Friday, but every single time I looked at it, it seemed like another three kids committed. Um, obviously Ohio state didn't receive one of those commitments and really nobody in the big 10 did. I mean, Maryland got a, a, a cornerback from, from uh, the Baltimore area, but you look out West uh, Texas had an interesting day, you know, and I, I think that, What's funny to me is watching the reaction as Oklahoma lands a guy like Mario Williams, who, again, is a top 40 overall prospect, five-star receiver on some boards. Uh, they land 
him in Oklahoma from Miami. And then you have Texas signing or receiving a commitment from a three-star receiver ranked as like the 136th best receiver in the country. One thing that I love to do after these big commitments happen is read the rival messaging message board. So like to when Ohio state gets a big commitment, I like to read Michigan's message board. When Michigan gets one, I like to read Ohio state's when Oklahoma gets one, I like to read the Texas board and the Texas message board community on Friday felt very similar to like the Michigan message board community most of the time right now, because it's just like, Oh my gosh, again, what, when will these guys go away? How do we stop them? How can we beat them if they're getting a hundred and if they're getting the top 40 player in the country and we're getting the number 140 ranked wide receiver, like people who are clamoring for urban Meyer to, or someone of his ilk to be the head coach at Texas and to get rid of Tom Herman. And it's just, it's, it's a fascinating world. Um, and that was interesting to me, but you know, I, I think the most uh, entertaining part of this whole process of where we're going to see is how many kids now, knowing that June visits aren't happening, knowing that the summer visits are pretty much wiped away because once July starts, kids start their high school camps and that kind of stuff, if they're able and visits will probably not happen often then how many of these kids just decide to do this and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm making this decision now. And how does that impact programs seven months from now? Like it's going to be a totally different world for this cycle. Um, and, and I'm, I'm here for it, I guess. Berm, if they play the Ohio state Michigan game in November in the horseshoe, it may be the most recruits for a single day in the history of Ohio State football. Because yeah, it's late it, November when most seasons are over for high schoolers. Ohio State hasn't been able to host any kids since yeah. December. Like, they could pack as many people onto the sidelines as humanly possible within socially distancing guidelines. Well, to, hopefully we're done with that by then. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the lack of visits could make for – a all-out war as to who gets the November visits for these huge programs. Like Alabama hosts Auburn. Can does a does a guy choose to go to the Iron Bowl or to the Ohio State Michigan game? Not that Ohio State's going against Alabama in some of these recruitments, because there are just a, a couple of them that you could even say they're yeah. They don't up, right? But you know, Clemson hosts South Carolina the same weekend. Like who goes where? It could be very telling in November because nobody's able to host visits right now. True. Where, where kids go for these November visits after their seasons are over. I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating things to watch. And as we continue to see commitments happen, schools who have the no-visit policies, not just Clemson, but school, other schools have them too, but don't really publicize them, uh, that's going to be tested to the absolute limit. Yeah, no doubt. Plenty of time to talk about that, Spencer, and other stuff uh, as we head into June. That will wrap up this a Mecca Abuka tinged uh, edition of Talking Stuff. That's Spencer Holbrook. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This show, as all of our shows, have been brought to you by Buyers Auto. Go to buyersauto.com if you're looking to buy a new car or used car or any car. I guess that's really the only kind of cars there are, new and used, right? Yeah. yeah. And you can't buy like a hypothetical car. Not right. a flying car either yet. Yeah, yeah, so... Anyway, uh, we'll be back uh, midweek, I would assume, for another round of this. Please uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, 
hit me and Spencer up on Twitter or email with questions um, because as oh, we go, we got uh, we got the uh, the rugby tweet about the knock on. Thank you. Oh, thank you for for, for, for explaining. Us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, more about rugby. You know, we're we're entering into June here, folks, and there's going to be a whole lot less to talk about than a normal June without uh, camps and and visits and that kind of stuff. So. We need your help, so keep us uh, talking stuff uh, about what you want to hear about. Spencer Holbrook, Jeremy Birmingham, thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time, folks. Have a great day.